Today on Abounding Grace, we introduce you to the Gospel of John. You've never read the Bible, we're going to send you home and tell you to read the Gospel of John. Why? We want you to have a deeper faith and understanding of Jesus. Now, if you're struggling in your walk right now, you're just having a difficult time, I'm going to tell you, read the Gospel of John. Why? Because it's going to build your faith. It's going to reintroduce you to Jesus, who you committed yourself to, to begin with. And you're going to leave here knowing that you have life in his name. You're going to leave encouraged as you read the Gospel of John. Because one thing you're going to notice as you open up Matthew, and you open up Mark, and you open up Luke, and you open up John, and you just read those four, one thing you're going to notice is that they don't introduce to you a religious system. Anytime a religious system is referred to, Jesus said he came to undo it and reintroduce people to a relationship with God through him. This is amazing grace. It is my pleasure to welcome each of you now to Abounding Grace. When a person becomes a Christian, it is vitally important that they begin a daily time of study in God's Word. Now, I personally know of quite a few who would recommend the Gospel of John as a good place to start. It serves as a great foundation in our understanding of Jesus and can bring us to a deeper faith in Him. And today, we begin a verse-by-verse journey through John. As we get underway, Pastor Ed Taylor shows us it emphasizes that we can experience eternal life. Well, the Gospel of John is a great book of the Bible to study, to read from, to learn about Jesus. You know, it is the heart of Jesus for you and I to learn from him. That's what he says in Matthew chapter 11, that famous passage that we always remember. It says in Matthew 11, I'll just read it to you, verse 28. Come to me, all of you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, or take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There is a necessity in our lives to learn from Jesus, to learn about him and to learn from him. And I know that Jesus has so much that he wants to reveal to us. He wants us to see afresh and anew as we commit ourselves to follow him, to learn from him intimately, closely, powerfully. We have a lot to learn in a lot of areas to grow in church. And he's ready to help us, ready to encourage us. I want you to know, though, that this isn't going to be, and it's not intended to be, an academic study alone. We're going to learn a lot about original languages. We're going to learn a lot about putting pieces together. We're going to take some gospels and we'll put them all. There's going to be a lot to learn, but this is not just an academic study. It's not just something where you can say, I know the Greek or I know that passage. This is a time where God is drawing us to himself to learn of him, to grow of the character and the nature of Jesus. Now, we can do that in any book of the Bible, and we do. Jesus himself said that in the volume of the book, it is written of me. So you can open up uh, any book of the Bible and find Jesus somewhere in type or in picture or in reality. But there's nothing like a gospel. 
to be able to walk alongside a gospel. You say, what is a gospel? The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all called gospels. They're referred to gospels because the word gospel means good news. And the first four books of the Bible are in filled with good news, the good news that Jesus Christ has come, God in human flesh, and he's paid the price for your sin and mine, that today if you'll turn your life, if you will turn your life away from your sinful past, you'll repent of your sin and ask Jesus to forgive you, the good news of the gospel will enter into your life in that instant. And in just a few moments you'll have an opportunity to express a faith in Jesus Christ if you haven't yet. And learn what it, just what kind of good news this is. And so we come to the gospel of John. We have a special treat before us. We get to walk alongside the dusty roads with Jesus himself. We hear his voice. We see his heart. We watch his love in action. Especially in John where we get to listen in on personal conversations that Jesus has. Conversations like the one he had with Nicodemus, remember? In chapter 3 of John's gospel, he's going to tell Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's saying there's freedom for you. And then we're going to turn a few pages and we're going to come to that woman he meets at the well. That's how she's known, the woman at the well. And he's going to tell her that you must drink of this water. If you drink of this water, you're going to have everlasting life. But you know, the gospels aren't so much what you must do. It's, they're not so much what you have to do. What the gospels reveal to us is not so much the must and the have to, but the can. You can have eternal life. You can be born again. You can drink of the waters of life. It was Jesus himself in John chapter 10, verse 10, that said, he said that he came that we might have life and that we may have it more abundantly. You know, when I'm studying along in the gospels myself, I like to use what little imagination that I have, and I just like to imagine myself with Jesus. I like to imagine myself listening to him, being with the group, walking alongside him, and especially for those of you that have been able to come to Israel with us on a tour, you can even add another dimension of walking through, because you know what the Sea of Galilee is like, and you know, and, and even if you some, have you been able to watch some of the videos of Israel, you'll be able to see, man, that's an amazing thing, where Capernaum is compared to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or what it's like to be on the water, or walking the long distances, or the short distances, whatever it might be we're in for a special treat and Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are the first four books of the New Testament it's almost as if as you open the New Testament that God is saying very pronounced, he's pronouncing to us very powerfully that this book is about Jesus I mean you open up Matthew and you're like wait a minute this is all about Jesus okay what's the next book well Mark this is like all about Jesus did I miss something and you turn to the next book it's Luke and he says this is all about Jesus what what is this book about exactly exactly that's what the bible is all about Jesus now out of the four gospels three of them are known as synoptic gospels s y n o p t i c synoptic gospels the first three Matthew Mark and Luke. They're known as synoptic. We get our English word uh, synopsis. They're, they give a synopsis of the life of Jesus. Actually, the first three gospels, they give this, generally the same information, covering generally about the same time from different angles, different perspectives. That's why they're called the synoptic gospels. For example, 
Matthew, Matthew has a very specific purpose. Matthew has been known as the gospel of the king. The gospel of the king. The emphasis of Matthew is to a Jewish audience. And so as you open up Matthew, you know what you'll find? A lot of quotations from the Old Testament. He's always quoting the Old Testament, saying this is what the Bible said. Even Jesus is quoted as, as he were following along in the life of Jesus. It's quoting Jesus, quoting the Old Testament. Why? Because the audience is predominantly Jewish, who Matthew is writing to. And so if you have a Jewish friend, you want to point them to Matthew, because what Matthew's going to say is, Jesus is the promised Messiah that the Old Testament predicted. And that's the emphasis upon Matthew. Now Mark... Mark is often called the gospel of the servant. And the audience is different, not to the Jewish, but to the Roman person. Now remember, in the first century, the Roman government, the Roman rule was predominantly made up of slaves. So to see Jesus in Mark, you'll see him as the consummate servant. It's a very short book and a very quick book. And every time you're turning the page, Jesus is doing something. As a matter of fact, as you're studying through the Gospel of Mark, one word that pops up over and over and over again is not just the word servant, but the word immediately. There's just a rapid movement of the servant. He's the Gospel. He's the Gospel, Mark writes, of the servant. So we see Jesus not only as the king, but we see Jesus as the servant. Now Luke has a completely different emphasis and audience. Luke was writing primarily to the Greeks. So Luke is known as the Gospel of the man, the son of man, the perfect man. You know, the Greeks, as we'll learn this in studies coming up, the Greeks very much valued wisdom and perfection in men. You know, mythology, Greek mythology is filled with all sorts of superhumans. That's how they view deity, is the perfect human. So for Luke, as he's writing, he has in the back of his mind presenting Jesus to a group of people that value perfection in humanity. And who better to display perfection in humanity than God in human flesh who was perfect? So now we have the king to the Jews and we have the servant to the Romans. We also have the son of man or the perfect man to the Greeks. John is different from all of them. It's very unique. John is known as the gospel of the Son of God. The gospel of the Son of God. I ask you to open up to the gospel of John. Go back to chapter 20 with me, if you're there, and pick up with me in verse 30, because we see the purpose and the reason why the gospel exists. John has been called the gospel of the Son of God, and it was written to a general audience, primarily those that don't believe. So he's writing to the Jewish unbeliever, and he's writing to the Roman unbeliever, and he's writing to the Greek unbeliever, and he's writing to the unbeliever or the person that doesn't have faith in Jesus Christ in Colorado, in the United States. This is the book that we tell people to read when, well, especially around the new time of the new year, because around the time of the new year, people get real excited. They want to make all kinds of changes in their life. You know, one of the changes they want to make, they want to read through the Bible. I think it's great. Some of you made that decision. So you give them a Bible. Maybe we get one here because if you don't have a Bible, don't leave with without one. Take it from the back of the chair. It's our gift to you. So you take it home. You go, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible. And what do you do? What do you normally do when you're going to read a book? You open it to the very first page. 
and there is Genesis. Now, that's not too hard to understand. And you kind of work through, and then there's all these people, and you don't quite know the stories. And you don't, you know, this begot, this begot. Before you get to begot, you're like, what is this all about? And you turn the page, and you get to Exodus. Oh, and then you get to Leviticus, and you say, forget about it. You know, it's like... (laughs) How do you read the Bible? What is this? What is this? And then Leviticus is like, I'm not going to read it. So when people come, you know, about this time of the year is about the time they get to Leviticus. And they go, I just don't know, man. I want to read the Bible and I just don't get it. We're going to tell you, read the Gospel of John. Here it is. We'll open it up to you. We'll have to find it because it's not the first page in the Bible. Read the Gospel of John and I'll tell you why. Verse 30, chapter 20. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are written, not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now, sometimes people have a hard time reading the Bible because they don't have life. It's really hard to understand the Bible if you don't have a relationship with the author. You know, the Bible speaks, he says, if, you, if, you, if you're not born again, if you don't have a relationship with God, the Bible's going to be a closed book to you. You're not going to get it. It's going to be even harder than it is for those of us that are born again and have struggled through Leviticus. Sometimes it's hard. There's some hard passages in the Bible. It's like, I don't know, I have to take you guys back to high school. I know we were, most of us were all in high school. We had English class. And did they give, didn't they give you the assignment? They, they dropped a poem on you and said, read this poem and then explain it. And you're reading the poem and you're just, your only conclusion is this person is like whacked out. I don't know what they think. I don't know. You know, this green tree and this purple sky. I don't know. I mean, the, this, the rocks mean this. And then so out of the 30 kids in the class, we all have different opinions. And we're all messed up. And you can't ask your neighbor because they don't know what they're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. And you turn it in and you just hope, you hope, you hope that the teacher didn't get any sleep and just started grading it really fast in the morning because you don't know what they were saying. Everybody, is, is anybody understand? Anybody with me? Anybody ever, just like three of us? That's fine. You know what I mean. It's like, I love English. I was really good at it, but not the poems. I just, I didn't get it. Now, imagine though, imagine for a moment. If your English teacher gave you the poem, gave you a week to figure it out, you come back, you're all frustrated, you're going to drop the class, you're not good enough for English now, this is crazy, but on the next day, so you turn in, you got the whole week, you turn in on a Monday, and the teacher says, Tuesday, I got a special treat for you, I'm going to explain to you the poem, and you're like, really? You're going to, why didn't you do that to begin with? Why, is it, why put us through all the trial and error? And he says, no, I'm not only going to explain it, but the author of the poem is going to come to class on Tuesday, she's going to come in and tell you exactly what she meant. And you're like, yeah, I want to know. The person that can explain to me the poem is not my teacher, and it's not Google. I want to talk to the author. The author is going to tell me what they meant. The author is going to tell me what they were thinking. That's how the Bible is. See, you're not going to understand the Bible until you have a relationship with the author. And when you have a relationship with the author, this thing becomes very easy to understand. And as we walk through the scriptures, whether you're trying to read through the Bible in a year or, you know, if you respond to the gospel today and the invitation to receive Jesus as your Savior, we're going to invite you to come up here and talk to one of the pastors and one of the men and women on our prayer team here. And we're going to encourage you, you know, if you've never read the Bible, we're going to send you home and tell you to read the gospel of John. Why? Because we want, to, we want you to have a deeper faith and understanding of Jesus. Now, if you're struggling in your walk right now, you're just having a difficult time, I'm going to tell you, read the Gospel of John. Why? Because it's going to build your faith, 
It's going to reintroduce you to Jesus, who you committed yourself to to begin with. And, and you're going to leave here knowing that you have life in his name. You're going to leave encouraged as you read the Gospel of John. Because one thing you're going to notice as you open up Matthew, and you open up Mark, and you open up Luke, and you open up John, and you just read those four, one thing you're going to notice is that they don't introduce to you a religious system. It's nowhere to be found. Anytime a religious system is referred to, Jesus said he came to undo it and reintroduce people to a relationship with God through him. You're not going to find any kind of instruction on the structure of a church or any leadership positions or what, what you find in the Gospels is exactly what we need to come back to, and that is you find Jesus. And much of the New Testament really doesn't have, have a lot to say about church structure either. How careful we need to be not to create something that Jesus didn't create. The church exists because Jesus is our pastor and our leader. And it'll be good to come back to a simple, simple walk with him. John really is the most unusual of the four Gospels. Most of what's in the first three is information. A lot of information about what Jesus said and did. Where John's emphasis is not just the information, but he also has inspiration. He gives us what's behind it. Not only that, but in John's Gospel, we're also going to get the application We're going to see not only what Jesus said, but why Jesus said it and how to do it and how to use it. It's more of an applicational look of how to put into practice a life following Jesus as a disciple. It's not a complete biography by any stretch. By most accounts, the Gospel of John covers about 30 days in the life of Jesus. 30 days. Highlights of what he's doing. Why? Because it's written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life. John has pulled out areas from Jesus' life so that we might know that he's the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, that believing in him, we might have life in his name. There are no parables in the Gospel of John. There are eight miracles mentioned, and five of which are not even recorded in the other Gospels. So there's a uniqueness to the Gospel of John. But really, there's a uniqueness in the man, John. And his life should encourage you, John. John had a brother. You know what his name was? James. And he also had a dad. His name was Zebedee. So you've got John, James, and John with a dad named Zebedee, and they had a fishing business together. That's when Jesus called them away from the fishing business, and James and John decided to follow Jesus. They were very successful fishermen, And I believe they were everything about being fishermen. They they were everything that surrounded that lifestyle, that hard work, the roughness of their career. And it's interesting because as you read through the different commentaries, there's a lot of controversy about who wrote the Gospel of John. I mean, there are people arguing about it. Which John was it? Did John really write it? And it doesn't surprise me because John is such a powerful book It seems diabolical, doesn't it? It seems just like from the pit of hell. It's such a powerful book. Let's get people out of the book and let them argue about who wrote it. Let them argue about who is the author and let them spend their whole life like, well, I don't know what John it was. But but the evidence is clear. Not only does the first century church accept that John wrote the gospel, but all throughout church history, 
Men like Clement of Alexandria, Theophilus of Antioch, Ignatius, Justin Martyr, Tatian, Irenaeus, and even from Irenaeus on, you go, what are all these names? These are people. These are people that the gospel of God, that the good news of Jesus has been handed down. Man, just like you, you could say, as you study yourself, you could be one of these names. You go, wow, I see John was the one. John, he identifies himself over and over again in the gospel. He makes sure that we understand who he is. John, the brother of James, the fisherman, uh, the fisherman with their dad Zebedee, will often describe himself in this letter as the one whom Jesus loved. What a great description. You know, you could do that for yourself as well. But there was a uniqueness about John, the one that Jesus loved. I don't think he was saying it like, you know, I was the one Jesus loved and the other 11 were out of luck. I don't think he's saying that. He's revealing to us a special, unique relationship that he had with Jesus. And I'm sure if you were to share your testimony with us, if you were to be able to tell us about your life, there would be something unique about your relationship as well. But in general, we all could say, we're the one that Jesus loved. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Well, there you have the first of many studies in the Gospel of John. We've been getting to know the author, John, the Apostle of Love. Pastor Ed, tomorrow you're going to show us that John wasn't always so loving, but God changed him, and he can do the same for us, right? Yes, Larry. We start a new book of the Bible, the Gospel of John. This is a life-saving book. I I believe This is my favorite gospel. It's hard to pick a favorite gospel. I really like Mark. I really love Luke. I appreciate the depth of Matthew. But there's something about the gospel of John that ministers so deeply in my soul and my heart. And we're going to learn a little bit about John, but we're going to learn a lot about Jesus. And the emphasis always has to be on Jesus And the neat thing about John is that he wasn't always the contemplative. I mean, probably he was a little contemplative, um, but he was also, before he was John the Beloved, he was John the Son of Thunder. And God changed him. Time with Jesus changed him. Just like in the book of Acts, they came to uh, accuse the apostles, and and they said, oh, but they knew they weren't trained, but they knew they had been with Jesus. That's what you want. You want to know that John had been with Jesus. You want to you want people to know that you had been with Jesus. So tune in. We're going to be in John for a while here on Abounding Grace. It's going to be so good. And if you miss any, you can catch up. We have a page on oneplace.com. You can just put my name in, Ed Taylor, or we have a dedicated page to the radio station. It's aboundinggraceradio.com. And I want to remind you, we don't do this very often, but I want to remind you, um, we're, we're asking you to give financially to support the production and the development of our media services. And you can do that right there on AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We'll pray for you if you want to financially support us. Uh, last year was the most successful financial year Abounding Grace Radio has ever had. So I want to thank you uh, for your support. It helps to expand to other stations. It helps to cover all the cost of production uh, and it, it allow, you get to partner together with us in the gospel going forth. And I'm just always humbled and gracious that God would use uh, his teaching through me and through my personality to connect with so many. It always startling and surprising 
humbling, but I'm grateful and I'm going to be used. I'm grateful to be used and I am who I am by the grace of God. And I want to continue to see this ministry grow and expand. So thank you, AboundingGraceRadio.com. Put on your seatbelts because the Gospel of John is going to be an amazing study. Thanks for sharing that, Ed. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen to Ed through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. Our pick of the month is Struggling Under the Broom Tree by Pastor Bill Gem. What comes to mind when I mention the prophet Elijah? Perhaps you think of a man who walked closely with God and did amazing miracles. Well, that is true. But maybe you didn't realize Elijah, like many of us, struggled with fear, doubt, and even depression. In this book, you'll read about the life of Elijah and how God's faithfulness brought him out from under the broom tree of despair. He can do the same for you. We'll gladly send you a copy of Struggling Under the Broom Tree when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryco.store. Come back tomorrow as we continue to get to know John, the changed one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.